Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Super happy today to have on the show Bill Kaimig, who's the Assistant Director of Catechetical Institute at Franciscan University in Steubenville, also a fellow Catholic University of America grad. So Bill's going to be on our show talking about the Institute, its history and mission, and why you need to know about it, and a little bit about Sadlier's new partnership with the Institute. So Bill, welcome to Catechesis. Thank you, Deacon Matt. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you for the joy and privilege of the time. Oh, I enjoy. I'll, I will enjoy this conversation. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, uh, the most important thing about me is I'm a husband and father. My wife, Heather, and I, we have six munchkins running around and, and some folks that live with us that kind of are like children for us as well that we work with and in the university here and all these sort of things. So we live a joyful and busy life on the shores of the Ohio River where Steubenville is located, uh, the extreme eastern side. And so I work for the university as the assistant director of the Catechetical Institute, which is certainly wrapped up with but somewhat distinct from the catechetical office, which does the degree programs for our wonderful large number of students that take our degrees in evangelization, theology, and catechetics here. Um, And then the Institute, what we do is we focus on outreach. So we focus on folks that are not studying for degrees here, but those that are out already in the field, alumni or not, that are in roles of ministry all over the country, clergy and laity, and actually all over the world. We serve people that are in the trenches, doing the thing for the church at whatever level and whatever context. So it's our great privilege because I love that. It keeps me very in touch with folks in the field all the time. And kind of it's, it's the heart of the mission of the church is to help those who are already in touch with people locally and to help them to deepen in their skill set. Well, again, love to have you on the show. Um, This is going to be a great conversation about what the Institute is doing. Uh, Just a quick biographical note or autobiographical, I am also a Steubenville grad. I ought to throw that in there. So (laughs) I'm very proud to be one as well. Um, And I've had my eye on your Institute for some time, and I've just been super impressed as we get into kind of the, the history and mission of it, which you've already alluded to a little bit. I've been super impressed with the, the quality of the tracks, uh, the online tracks that you offer for certification for all sorts of lay ministries and even things that parents can get involved in and uh, as well as clergy. And the, tell me a little bit about, because when I was kind of perusing the internet and kind of look, trying to get a sense of like how wide the reaches of the Institute, it seems like you're, you're canvassing quite a bit of the country. How, how many people do you have enrolled in this right now? Yeah, that's a great question, Deacon. We currently, we opened our doors um, as a ministry in 2015, so we're fairly young, but publicly we were ready to kind of sort of say we can help folks by 2017. So that's kind of when we started public ministry, when we were ready to do so. So since that time, since mid-2017, we've partnered with 105 dioceses at their choosing to Mm. work with them and serve them. And we currently serve uh, a little over 26,000 people in ministry roles in 35 countries. Um, And so it's growing very rapidly. The Holy Spirit has really blessed it with growth. 
we try to stay very focused on the reason why the Institute was founded, which is not just to give people ministry understandings and training, which mm -hmm. is certainly a goal, mm -hmm. but more so to give it in the form of what works to disciple people, to train people in pastoral accompaniment, to train people in the depth of being able to disciple and care for people in a more individual one-to-one -one manner, certainly to teach the faith and to do methodology with groups of children, teens, and adults, but also to prepare people to minister in a more personal, individual way in local settings. And the training that it goes with that to help people learn to give counsel, to help people learn to spiritually guide to a better degree, to learn to mentor in particular. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, that's just as much the case, perhaps as much as you could be for parents. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we create workshops and tracks of workshops, collections of workshops in ministry areas to focus in those ways. And though it has grown very large scale, we try to stay focused on the one. So when we train and work with dioceses that we're privileged to partner with, we try to very much work with their leadership their DREs, their youth ministers, their principals, their teachers, et cetera, and all of those types, the clergy, especially the parents, to help them think about passing on the faith in more personal forms, not programmatic as much as it is sort of stuffing people through programs we create, right? attaching people in relationships of true mentoring. And that's a hard work because that's a hard thing to do in real life. I was a DRE in a parish in Maryland, my home state, for 15 years. So I certainly kind of get a sense of the challenges that someone faces in today's culture in that regard. Yeah, I really appreciate that last point about, um, and, and I'll connect it with kind of the tidal wave that we saw with the new evangelization over the last decade or so. And, and for some, that translated as uh, what new programs, what new initiatives and projects um, do we need to develop? But if you go back to, for example, Pope Benedict in 2009, in that year of St. Paul, in that year of faith, uh, he talked about the new evangelization is about this rediscovery of the interior life and this sort of renewal of our own relationship with God. Yes, in a, in a personal way, but in a way that... Um, sort of revivifies uh, the faith and our love for not only Christ, but his church as well. And, and trying to support that interior development, that interior journey is not an easy task. <laughs> no. And it's, it's one of the reasons why we are so excited to actually be partnered now with Sadler in particular, um, because I have long been aware in, in, in my 25 some years in ministry work of Sadler's strength and consistency in the field and when you approached us to want to work with us, um, especially in developing things, which I imagine we'll chat about shortly in the podcast here, um, we were very excited because uh, the director of the Catechetical Institute, Dr. Petrock Willie, an Englishman, uh, and myself as the assistant director, we've both had long histories with Sadlier and noting that Sadlier does put a priority on what you were just describing, Deacon, that it isn't just about structures and programs, it's about forming people in a more personal way for that long-term work of discipling in Jesus, which can only happen when you're in deeper relationship with someone. And that takes a different type of preparation than just what you might get in a secular context, preparing to educate a soul, preparing Ab to form a soul is different. Ab absolutely, Bill. And I want to go back to a word you used just a little bit ago, um, accompaniment. Uh, I think that 
you know, maybe we don't have time to do it here, but suffice to say, you know, there does need to be kind of a disabusing of what accompaniment does not mean, which is some kind of moral relativism. I'm okay. You're okay. And it's just about engaging people where they are. And that's the end of the, that's the end of the journey. It's really about deep conversion. It's something that's reciprocal and it ultimately leads towards discipleship in Jesus Christ. Um, How do you, uh, how does the Institute in your mind, as you see how it works, how does it, how is it accompanying these dioceses um, who are trying to support various ministers in their own spiritual growth? Yeah, it kind of came out of both uh, Dr. Willie and my personal experience in ministry, mine as a DRE and his as a head of an institute in England. And what we saw was needed in ourselves as well as those we trained. When I was a young DRE, first couple of years out of the gate, this is in the year 2000 plus, is that I founded myself after some time in a community deeply, um, gaps in a sense in my abilities. Yes, I knew how to teach the faith. I graduated from Franciscan like you did um, with a master's in catechetics. I, I knew the content and I obviously was growing in it, but you know, I had a sense of confidence there of how to teach groups of children, teens and adults and stuff. I had a lot to learn, but I, I had a sense of what to do. But I learned that when you're in relationship with people in, in a real parish setting, that it's not just about passing on the content or gathering groups and structures and pushing people through programs. It's about being open to them as a listener, being open to them to sort of like hear their struggles, their messes, their needs, their brokenness, their need for healing, and then having some sense of what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And I felt I had real lackings there. Mm-hmm. Now, I was trained well in catechetics, evangelization, but not so much in what we could call um, the skill of simply listening in ministry with empathy of what to do with that when I learned kind of where someone was struggling and what to do that might have eternal value for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I was guessing too much. And so I went back to school to get trained in that. But we realized that most people out there in the field wouldn't have access to that sort of stuff. I happen to be near Catholic University of America, which we share as alumni. And that's why I went to get that degree there because of feeling those gaps. But most people don't have access to that or might not be able to pay for it. So we decided that we wanted to create something that was both entirely accessible, mm-hmm. scalable, exactly designed for the field. The doctoral program I took was sort of oblique to my DRE work. It helped, but it wasn't exactly attuned. So something exactly attuned, totally accessible, totally scalable, and preferably free for most of the people who will take it, which the the 26,000 people to take, most of them are experiencing it for free. Wow. So then how does does the Institute um, fund itself? Well, the parishes typically in a normal set, COVID has allowed us to be more adaptable still, but the normal cost is $300 per year mm-hmm. for a parish mm-hmm. or for a school. Parish and school together is still just one institution. So most parishes, even very small ones, 300 bucks a year is not much off their annual budget. And for that, 100% of the people associated with that parish can have free access to everything that we're doing. And Francis would want us to field ministry in a way that excluded none have a preferential option for the poor and to have that in mind as i said we work in 35 countries some of them are extremely poor we're working very heavily in nine countries in eastern europe including partnered with two dioceses in ukraine that's amazing right and so that makes us hyper aware africa other places in asia where we work um, of the need to feel this in a way that isn't all about the financial barrier to feel it in a generous manner I think that's the point I'm trying to make is that for what's out there in terms of, and yes, formed as a different sort of a, a setup and with a different um, goal or goals in mind for faith formation, like you say, of people in the pews, 
the fact of the matter is parishes can't afford a whole lot. So anytime you can reduce that cost and raise the barrier, so to speak, bring it down, um, all the better. And it sounds like uh, you found a way to do that. Yeah, it depends on scale, right? It depends on it growing large enough to cover the costs that we have, which are significant. Mm -hmm. But we believed that if holding to our principles of radical generosity, that the Lord would bless that. And the Lord certainly has, as, as the ministry's multiplied since, you said, 2015. Uh, it's, yeah, it's grown incredibly. Um, so let's talk about, uh, we already kind of alluded to it, but Sadler has recently entered into a partnership with uh, the Institute and in a particular way, supporting uh, your newest track, um, mm-hmm. which is the Eucharist Renewal track. Do you want to say a little bit about that track and maybe about what people would experience in tracks in general if they were to check out the Institute? I'd love to. We just launched this track at the end of March of 2022. And this a track, I mentioned that word and so have you, Deacon, just for people who didn't remember what we meant by it. A track is a collection of ministry workshops, ministry formation workshops in a ministry area, like a youth ministry track, which has for us a couple of dozen workshops on helping people grow in that area. The Eucharistic Renewal track, however, is a bit of a paradigm breaker. It it doesn't have, obviously, a job in mind like youth ministry. It is for everyone. It is for anyone in any ministry setting, anyone that has a desire to give the faith to another, especially parents, of course. This track is designed for anyone that wants to help people rise to the life of the Lord in the Eucharist. And obviously, that, that doesn't fit a particular ministry role. It's for all ministries, anyone that wants to give the faith to another soul. So this track, we're, we've been working on this for some years, and we're very excited to give this track. It's very short. It's very efficient. It's succinct and beautifully accurate in what it hits. It aims at three things. So it's inspiring, of course, and it aims for growth in the spiritual life, not just skills, but the specific three areas that we put workshops under is one, how to see God's gift of the Eucharist, rooted specifically in knowing Jesus personally and loving the sacred liturgy. So the first thing we do with the first set of workshops is we work people through just who's Jesus and what is his mission and who is he as a person How do you fall in love? The challenge of following him is the most important life that's ever lived. And then how do you understand the liturgy as the larger context of what you want and desire in the Eucharist, the bigger picture? How do you fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the liturgy? That's where the first set of workshops take you. The second one is how to be formed for a Eucharistic life, the second set of workshops, how to be formed for a Eucharistic life of intimate devotion and radical trust. And those workshops, obviously, they're the heart of this track. They focus on the principle of why God would work through sacraments to help people fall in love with him and be saved. Why bother doing it that way? What is sacramentality? And then how do you understand the role of the particular seven sacraments? And then, of course, two deep workshops on the Eucharist itself and Eucharistic discipleship, not just from a doctrinal standpoint, though, of course, that's essential because knowledge is essential to love. But more so how to act in that relationship in a loving way, Eucharistic discipleship. This last workshop I love so much because it's taught by one of my good friends, Dr. Mark Ginter, who works for our institute. And this workshop, he is deeply imbued of both East and West, um, the Eastern Catholic traditions and Eastern and Western Catholic traditions. And he breathes from both lungs in how he teaches us about Eucharistic devotion. And then the last set, the third set in this track, 
is how to give the saving truths of the Eucharist to others effectively, how to give it to another in the home, the classroom, in any relationship, how to give this to another. And so we have a set of workshops that focus on how to understand how the liturgy and catechesis link together for an adult, how to do this in a teen setting, and then a pair of workshops on how to do this, how to help children fall in love with the liturgy and how to fall in love with the sacrament that precedes the Eucharist in second grade, first penance and confession, and how to do Eucharistic preparation better. So these workshops are designed to be pragmatic, but they're also designed to recognize it's not just about education, it's about falling in love and how to help people fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with the liturgy that he founded in the church that he founded to encircle us in a saving work and how the Eucharist is the source and some of the heart of it all. It sounds like you're touching on uh, almost every conceivable catechetical angle and point here. And it's, it's really exciting, again, from Sadler's point of view, to be a part of this endeavor and to support this particular workshop, which, or sorry, track, which um, it, not only is it... Um, a core, you know, the Eucharist as the source and summit of the life of the church, of our faith, but what a good time also in the life of the church to launch yeah. this uh, track, given what the USCCB is calling us to, which is a Eucharistic revival. Um, I definitely see, and I know Sadlier sees this track playing a role in that, as well as the Institute in a larger sense. Um, let me ask you kind of an off-topic question, since we're, we're getting into that arena now of Eucharistic revival. What do you think, um, what else do you think is necessary? What are some other ingredients that uh, would be needed in order to make this uh, revival happen? Yeah, I know we're very much deeply involved with working with the USCCB and preparing for this, this couple of years coming up. As you mentioned, in 2023 and 2024, the USCCB will be kind of laser focusing on this and they've got a very developed plan that is being beginning to be implemented of training people for Eucharistic missionary work. They want to train about 100,000 people in the U.S. to wow. engage people in a more personal way, in a more witness-based way. And we're involved with helping to move towards that training of those people, along with other great universities like Augustine Institute and Notre Dame. Um, very good people there. Um, and we are thrilled to have that collaborative approach to just serving the bishops of the U.S. in building up people to be able to personally give witness to the Eucharist in their life. And I think really that's the key ingredient is we're trying to, you'll, you'll notice anybody who takes our workshops, they are true workshops. Mm -hmm. They aren't just passive listening. They have tasks in them. And they're meant for small group settings where the tasks become the thing the small group talks about, or they're meant for individual one-to-one -one mentoring where a mentor is working through the tasks with someone going through. They're meant for spiritual growth. They're meant to help someone really inculcate this, not just say, sort of like watch a couple things and say, oh, that was sort of helpful. Our workshops are designed not to maybe help, but to actually help someone grow in discipleship ability, the ability to give it to another. And so I would say the main thing the USCCB is focused on and what we're trying to do in assisting with tracks like this is to realize that the work is never going to be about implementing programs. It's the degree to which you have created people that can give cogent, persuasive, humble witness personally to the Lord's work in their life through the Holy Eucharist. And which kind, which, prepared for that. 
Yeah, which kind of brings us full circle to that idea of new evangelization as this renewal, interiorization of the of life in the spirit, of life in the sacrament, of life in the in the community, and how to then share uh, via words, right, articulate it, but also and in a very Franciscan way, share through very charitable action and humble action. Um, so, just a very practical thing for people that aren't familiar with the institute, um, where do they find it? And then if, if we have diocesan leaders listening, how do dioceses partner with the Institute? Yep. Uh, thank you. The, the, the homepage, the, the, it's actually a learning management system, not just a website. It's designed for high interaction and all the things that a workshop does and a diocese needs is called www.franciscanathome.com. So for, at franciscanathome.com, right off the bat on the homepage, you'll see um, a, a thing that says, if you're a diocesan official, what do you need to know? So dioceses, we keep it very simple. All it requires is a partnership letter from their bishop, because we always work under a bishop's sovereignty and respect for his sovereignty as a shepherd. Um, and we work with diocesan offices. We have almost 700 diocesan officials that have accounts on our system. And we give diocesan officials, um, most of them obviously are from partner dioceses with us, but we are working with almost twice that number of dioceses that are interested in working with us in various ways that have yet to partner. So we give any diocesan official, regardless of whether they're in a partner diocese or not, perpetual free access to franciscanathome.com as a courtesy. And we work with them. We do webinars for them, which we do three a month for them and things like that. We are doing all kinds of things to help them grow as a ministry of ours as well. We have a diocesan officials track that we run at our annual St. John Bosco conference and we'll eventually film and put on the system. But diocesan officials, they find it something that the key thing to know for dioceses that want to work with us is everything we do is based on a principle of catechetical subsidiarity that we feel the local knows best, that we customize everything for a diocese's specific needs, tracks, workshops, everything, the way they're done, the way that they're put out, the order they're in, the way a diocese wishes to serve its people. We respect that we are there to support the vision of a bishop and those he's placed in authority, not to have the vision ourselves. So we, what we give is a clear-hearted center on the church's understandings of evangelization and catechesis very much in the heart of the church that's what we do we don't do workshops that in any way divert from that so what we're giving is the church's vision of catechesis and evangelization and it's up to a diocese to implement that in the way they think best for what they see they need and so that's with a partner it's a very free thing for the diocese because we're there to enable them not to put them in a cookie cutter and say hey we know best Right. I think the, uh, the the language of the cookie cutter, uh, along with uh, no one size fits all, along with even the dramatic imagery of a chokehold, which are all associated with the new directory of catechesis and its emphasis that we need diverse modes and models and approaches to to evangelization and catechesis. Um, very much in the in the vein there, uh, what you're doing, giving that freedom and respecting the subsidiarity of the local diocese to to implement as they see fit. So it sounds like it's very easy to partner. It's very easy to sign up, so to speak. And um, I really, I, I really appreciate the, um, all the insight that you're giving about the Institute and you really, we've had conversations about this, I know already, but every time I listen to you, uh, I hear a little bit more and it's even uh, more rich. So I appreciate that. 
It's worth mentioning before we go is that um, we've created over 350 custom tracks for dioceses that partner with us. And the Eucharistic renewal track that we just chatted about that sadly has uh, uh, made possible for the church. Thank you very much, by the way. I would be remiss if I did not say that. Um, This track is often used in reality in inserting it into many other custom tracks. So it spreads out in a different way, um, is the dioceses might say, well, we want to do some things for parents that involve two of these key workshops in the track, and we want to take them through this in a particular way, or we're going to be doing some very particular things to form our catechetical leaders, or we're going to take some principles through this, and, and they take them through pieces and then build them out in a different way. And again, this can be applied in many ways. And we, we take all of our tracks that we have, um, including in Spanish and stuff. And we'll be translating the whole Eucharistic renewal track into Spanish over the course of the next year. So it's available in that way as well. Um, and we have many, many workshops already in Spanish, dozens and dozens. It's it, What we invite people to who use this is to look at it from the creative situations that they actually face. Discuss with this as you like, or just creative on your own. Use faithful creativity to apply it in all kinds of ways. These workshops are used heavily in small groups. They're used heavily in parent settings. They're used very heavily in the typical programmatic certification structures and ongoing formation requirements. They're used in one-to-one mentoring. They're used in group settings as often. So uh, the encouragement we give with these workshops is they're very flexible in how we found they're applied by the, we're we're in partnership with nearly 4,000 parishes and schools. We see a lot of creativity and that I think is key to figure this out and crack the nut of real discipleship in an actual location. I appreciate it. Well said. Um, We were chatting with Bill Kymig, the assistant director at the Catechetical Institute at Franciscan University in Steubenville. Bill, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for introducing our listeners to the Institute, uh, for making it very plain spoken and also encouraging us to to get involved. And and hopefully if we do have clergy and diocesan leaders listening, uh, it's super easy. Just check out their website. We will have it listed as part of the episode when we publish it. So just go ahead and click on it, check out the tracks they offer, particularly that Eucharistic renewal track, and uh, you will be blessed for it. And um, so thank you, Bill, for being on the show. Thank you for the joy and privilege of working with Sadler as well. And Deacon, thank you for your friendship and We do good things for the church as best we can under the Lord's guidance. May we always remain friends and humble. Amen. So speaking of amen, Bill, would you mind offering a blessing to our listeners? Most certainly. Brothers and sisters, let us pray as we hope to live in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your love given to us most fully in the humble work of the Eucharist in the church. Help us, Lord, to enter into that humility, to give ourselves freely, to give ourselves fully, and to trust you in the sacrifices that it costs us that you give us the grace to sustain. Holy Spirit, I ask your presence in the ministries that we serve. And Mother Mary, please protect us under your mantle so that we may delight the sacred heart of your Son. For it is through you alone, Lord Jesus, that we live and move and have our being. To you alone then, Lord Jesus, do we give thanks and praise through the immaculate heart of your most holy mother. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
That was Bill Kymig, Associate Director of the Catechetical Institute at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Bill, it was great chatting with you, and we will see you all next time. Thank you, Deacon. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.